I used to think that being involved in local ministry and then being involved in the as an artist and in the music industry would eventually cause me to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing now that I am far healthier when I keep a foot planted firmly in both. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Aisha Woods, Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and musician. Together, they talk with artists and industry insiders to discover our connection between music and faith. You can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter, at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Aisha. Welcome to Between the Grooves, episode 276. Aisha is off today. How does she get a day off? Really? She gets a day off and I don't? That's not fair. I'm just kidding. Now, she's uh, she's got some stuff on the go, so she will not be joining us today. But we do have a very special guest joining us. He's a Canadian singer-songwriter. He's been nominated for several Covenant Awards. That's the Canadian version of the Dove Awards. And we spoke a few years ago, uh, probably... I guess uh, maybe a couple of years ago, I guess, uh, we were right smack in the middle of a global pandemic. And so I thought we could touch base and just see what he's been up to since. And uh, this is a great conversation that I think you'll enjoy because we are all over the place. Can I say? <laughs> we're, we're talking about a whole bunch of stuff and, uh, and you'll get the gist of it when we get into this. Jake Fretz on Between the Grooves. Hey. The last time we spoke, um, I guess it was a couple of years ago, and that mm-hmm. was right smack in the middle of a global pandemic. And that's when we saw that shift into the virtual realm. Uh, we started seeing a lot of people start podcasts or write books and, and just do things to keep busy. That's when we heard complaints from people uh, about the fact that they've finished Netflix. There's nothing left to watch. They've watched it all already, um, mm-hmm. which made me a little jealous because I'm thinking there's lots of stuff I'd like to watch, but I'm still busy working and so (laughs) i was fortunate because a lot of people didn't have a job to go to um didn't have the income to be able to do stuff uh we're stuck at home and and whatever um but yeah it was a it was a quite a dynamic time dynamic i guess being the the word of the hour because it kept changing right the 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 landscape changed continuously through pretty much a two-year period and I guess it would have done the same for you as well as being um, as far as being a a musician an artist um, a worship leader in your own church Um, so have things gotten back to normal for you now yeah so that's a trickier question only because um, as much as I'm an artist and a and musician a singer songwriter I'm also a pastor so and not just a worship leader in the church, I'm a full-time worship pastor. So when we jumped into COVID, um, often when we were shrinking down restrictions to, man, there can only be five people in the building, I was still one of those people because I was making sure that a service happened regardless. Um, so the dynamics of my job changed because I wasn't, um, I wasn't overseeing and leading multiple musicians. I was often having to do everything myself, but then I was partnering with the tech team or part, I was the liaison between the preacher and, and then whoever was going to clean up the little bit around the building. I, I found myself very busy, um, with a regular job that, and I was still planning services every Sunday morning. It's just that there was nobody in the room to plan them for. They were all on the, all in their own living rooms, yeah. watching them through a screen. So, 
So yeah, and and then in addition to that, it, the music side of it was interesting because everybody was already moving to a. Um, they they were already moving to try to do things virtually. This forced their hand. Yeah. For so sure. it actually shrunk the community, right? And made made connections that much easier to have. Um, what was interesting was this small sense of scarcity that popped up around the musician world too, where naturally people couldn't uh, couldn't gig, so they're not making money that way, and they weren't able to get into the studios because a lot of them got closed um, over that over that period. You just weren't unless you were doing remote recording, you weren't going to be able to get in there. Um, so then people began to be coaches or package up their any knowledge or experience they had into some video content and then try to sell it. So it was really interesting to watch uh, uh, so many musicians and, and my friends start to have all these startup businesses and I've got the next three easy steps for you as an emerging artist. And, and you just like bombard as, an, as, a, as a relatively new artist in the season, I was just bombarded, right, by all these different options. Luckily for me, I wanted to learn a ton, so it was great. But I, it eventually got to a point where you're going, um, and even to the point where I am now, where it's like, I think a lot of this we could do as friends. Instead of exchanging, you know, 50 bucks or $100 for uh, for each other's time, why don't we try to have a coffee? Or why don't we just try to meet up online, have a Zoom call, and I can share a bit of my experience, you can share a bit of your experience. We're both better for it. So I, it's actually caused me to want to try to find another way around it. Right. And not just for the cost of it. I want to support my friends. But it, it, what was interesting to me is I was watching money just change hands back and forth. And I'm going, I'm not sure anybody's getting more money out of this. I think we're just taking each other's money. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, that as, as much as there's great content out there, the posture that people had going into it, uh, this might sound critical, but it, it was a little fear-based, right? I mean, it was, I don't know how else to do this, so... And I applaud everyone's ambition, but it, it yeah, it, it was, it was interesting to see people kind of scrambling for the cash. And then, and then out of that, uh, it's actually opened up a ton of new friendships for me because people would, people would call up um, and say, say, Hey, can I, uh, could I, could I like do some coaching with you? Could I, could I get, pick your brain for a few, uh, for like 30 minutes? I'm like, well, why don't we just jump on a zoom call for an hour? We can hang out. Like, yeah. Oh, really? I'm like, Oh yeah, let's just do that. We'll just hang out. We'll talk. And, and in, so in that, over the last couple of years, I've met a, a bunch of emerging artists and I'm probably on the phone, I don't know, let's say six times a month right now, eight times a month with, uh, with emerging artists and just getting to share what I've learned. And it's not an official coaching call. It's not, um, it's not something that we're billing. It's just a way to be able to build friends and help build the music industry and hopefully build the kingdom of God as we just give each other, share the experience that we've had, right? I think for some artists, and, and perhaps this is for artists that uh, have been around a little longer, you know, ways for them to make a little cash would have been doing the online concert with a tip jar mm. uh, or just using that time to record because many of them already had recording studios at home, maybe not all of the technology or the equipment that they would have desired. It was probably just a bare bones thing. But with, you know, these days with... Um, you know, apps and and whatever else mm -hmm. on your phone and and stuff you can you can get away with recording some half decent stuff that that at least is worthy of a social post or something like that to to get your name out there, get some recognition a little bit. Maybe not make as much money, but you're certainly right. There was there was some 
limitations, but the limitations forced people's hands to do things differently, think outside the box, do things uh, completely um, different from the way the um, the way they've always they've always done stuff, and and the way it was known to be done. I suppose, right? It's it's kind of being a little creative and thinking there's a different way to do this. Maybe we should try this. And a lot of experimenting. Um, some of it worked, some of it didn't. You know, I, I know there was some, I, I know one artist that was doing backyard concerts and they just stopped. Uh, I guess they just wrapped up the last of them um, maybe a month or two ago uh, because wow. it just kind of kept going and it was popular and, and that's what they did. That's how they made money. Yeah, well, and you know what though? That would have made total sense because people were craving connection. And and what's more intimate than a backyard? Sure, right, hanging out with your friends. So that that would make sense. Why that why that would have lasted so long? Um, and and do you know what though? The I, I guess or something that I that I found um, really helpful was because it pushed us all to become part of an online community and start connecting across um, you know let's say the world, but uh, Canadian musicians connecting a. Um, connecting virtually, I, I found myself way more, um, or part of way more co-writes yeah. and virtual co-writes. And then out of that, I mean, even a song that I got to release this earlier this spring, uh, it's fun because it was emerging artist. Her name is Cynthia Locke. She's out from, out in BC, but we did a couple Zoom calls and then we met with producer, um, Daniel, he's out in Edmonton. So the three of us never actually got in the same room. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, physically speaking, but we were able to write, release, record, and release, and and do that whole song virtually. And I don't think I would have been pushed to do that prior to the pandemic. Um, and I, you know, even in that, we we built a more robust studio here at the church so that we could do all of our tracking and track all our vocals here, and and that became a larger part of our. Uh, of our learning curve that we had to go through, but it, it's, it's super valuable now to be able to just walk down the hall and, yeah, and do yeah. all the tracking rather than looking for studio time. And then also to be able to open that up to other artists. So do you think it, everything that's happened has hurt the studios themselves? Because I think people have found other ways to do it now and they don't necessarily have to physically go into a studio or even hire mm-hmm. that high-end producer you know maybe maybe it's caused some studios to either go out of business or certainly scale down what they did pre-pandemic yeah you know what i would i would i see the logic of that but i might challenge it because i think one of the beauties of working in a good studio with a great engineer and a great producer is the collaboration that happens in real time so so i found myself trying to make music on my own and I found that the songs were okay. Uh, but even now I'm working with a producer again. And now the studio, we're not renting studio time. So maybe maybe that the engineer and his recording, um, his recording studio isn't collecting some of the money that might have gone to him at one point. Mm-hmm. I'm still finding that I crave the collaboration of a good producer and a good engineer to be able to work with to make quality music. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the time the magic comes. So you can have a single person who has who has great ideas and, and a great skill and experience to make great songs. But often I think the magic comes into collaboration when you start working with people who are just either a little outside of your, um, a little outside of your, of maybe your style or um, they're beyond my own, my own uh, personal experience. So they're, they're just, frankly, they're better than me. Um, and, and I try to put myself in rooms with those people because then I get to continue to learn. And, and what I find again and again is I have an idea that is a good idea. 
And they take that good idea and they make it a great idea with a few tweaks. And then I can learn why they did that and I learn how they did that. And then I keep growing as well. Right. So I think the great producers and the great studios, people are probably just craving to get back in there. And there was probably a waiting list. Yeah, perhaps. And, and getting caught up from all the stuff that was in, in the uh, calendar that, that got pushed aside mm-hmm. temporarily. So, yeah, I can understand it from yeah. that perspective as well. So uh, I guess uh, you as an emerging artist a couple of years ago, you've got uh, a few years experience now. Uh, anything that has changed or any philosophies that have changed in your life with you know, music, being on staff in a church uh, and pursuing your dream? Yeah, you know what? The biggest thing that has been solidified in my mind was something that I actually stumbled into. Uh, I used to think that being involved in local ministry and then being involved in the as an artist and in the music industry would eventually cause me to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing now that I am far healthier when I keep a foot planted firmly in both. And this might not be for every single artist out there, um, but I think it might be for more than uh, for more people than than might give it credit and give the idea credit. Because I, I found that to be grounded in a local church community, and even if I wasn't on staff, I would I would now not want to be um, taking myself regularly outside of a of a local church community if I was going to continue into um, continue in the music industry. And, and that's partly because of accountability. That's partly because of I have a, an immediate audience that I'm writing for. So they're not hypothetical faces or, or hypothetical audience members. I, I can picture the person that I'm writing a lyric for. And I, I can say, oh, I know how this song will connect with insert the name of my friend or the person who I'm going to see sitting in that pew. And specifically as I write worship songs, um, to see how these songs um interact with the congregation, how they interact with the songs and interact with God through these songs. Um, that's become invaluable to me. I understand so, I understand the grounding aspect um, kind of puts you in your place, but are you referring to just attending a church or being involved in that church? I, you see, I, w- I would argue that you would want to be involved. Now, you wouldn't have to be involved on a professional level, so I don't think you'd need to be on staff. I wouldn't argue for that. Um, but to simply attend and not use your gifts to bless that congregation, I, I think you'd have to challenge the uh, the notion of how much of a part of a church of that church you actually are. Right. Because to simply to simply attend as a spectator, I think will feed you. But like we were, you know, you and I were chatting earlier about, hey, what would it look like to live after retirement? I think in the same way, when you come to a church, if you're only ever receiving, you're not really living. You need to be able to actually use your gifts to build into other people. And, and as that happens, the, the almost intangible uh, relationships that are built around you. So like the ones that you, you don't even know that you're missing until they're gone. Um, all the, all the um, accountability and the steering and the sharpening that comes from those kinds of relationships, they only happen when you start to be vulnerable enough to use your gifts in that local community. It's, in a way, it's easy to get onto a stage and look at a room of people that I've never seen before and that I likely beyond meeting them at the merch table after I, I won't see them again for months, maybe years or maybe ever again. It's easy for me to like pour out my heart with a well-crafted story. But when I'm serving week after week and people see my ups and my downs and they, you know, see me without a fresh haircut and they see me rolling myself, uh, you know, <laughs> into the room because 
I just, my kids had a sleepover and we're up till 2 a.m. the next day. It's like, I'm not my best. I, when they see me there, but they can see a consistency in, in character, hopefully. Um, and they also draw that consistent character out of me. Um, I think there, I think there's a great value there. But how much, and, and I, I, but how much yeah, would you, how much do you serve then? Because um, given your knowledge, your expertise, uh, without it taking over your life, number one, and number mm. two, uh, how much do you serve and participate without hindering someone else in thriving? Uh, and they may feel that they don't have the qualifications because they're not up to your level. Oh man. Okay. Now, are you asking on a general, like, just a general level, or just okay, a general yeah, sure, principle? A like I'm, I'm looking from for myself and other people that you know. Say you've got um, you know a very prominent um, artist that. It travels um, half the weekends of the year. They're doing concerts in front of thousands. They take on all the summer festivals. Perhaps they've got kids mm. at home. Uh, they come home and their their time at home is very limited. Uh, that's their downtime. And now they serve in a church. But how much do they serve in the church? Because number one, uh, they need to have some downtime. Number two, uh, they don't want to appear like, hey, I know the way it's supposed to be and you guys don't, you're not as experienced. You know, um, maybe this church is uh, limited technology. You know, you're used to being on stage with in-ear monitors and all they have is wedges on yeah. the front. And and then that part of it, and then the other part of it is you've got other people in the church that may have some capabilities and, you know, the, the desire to serve, but they feel inadequate because they're not up to your level. Yeah, those are great questions. I think there's a couple different approaches that you could take to it. One, um, to, so to speak about the busyness, often, or I think having a healthy rhythm and establishing that healthy rhythm um, would be a priority. So when we look at, see, okay, let me back up for a second. If you were on the road all the time, then yeah, it would be very difficult to be involved in your local church. But then I think it would be important for you to find a rhythm of how would you make a regular um how would you make how would you make it possible to be regularly involved and maybe that's not on a weekly or even a monthly basis maybe that's quarterly in your mind you're like hey i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna help disciple um the musicians that are that are in this worship ministry and i'm gonna help coach them along or i'm gonna go for coffee with the worship pastor and encourage them or i'm gonna help by running a songwriting weekend um but you're doing it as not as the professional you're doing it as a member of the community Sure, your skills and experience are going to be are going to be valuable and are going to be asset to everybody. But you're not coming in with the artist name. You're coming in as a hey, this is this is my church family. Th that posture shift can help alleviate a lot of the um, a lot of the pressure we might feel to still be professionals in our own family in our own church family. And at least personally in my in my own life, I, even though I am the pastor, I find I can take off the artist hat and I can still be. Hey, I'm I'm Jake. I, I have a wife. I have four kids, and we're gonna we're gonna write songs together today, or we're gonna work on some on some. We're gonna do a vocal workshop, or we're gonna learn get all the musicians in, and we're gonna learn some new songs and and talk about the heart behind them. And if we're doing that, I, I find I'm I'm discipling and I'm building up the church. But I I'm using my gifts. I'm using my experience, but I'm not having the pressure to be Jake Fretz, worship artist. Um, so sometimes it's just it's a mental shift. And again, I think you could do that in a healthy rhythm. Uh, now, to 
answer the second half of, or at least what I think would be the second half of the, of your question. Hmm. I, often when we talk about serving, we talk about using our gifts, but I think when we look biblically speaking, what we're called to do is make disciples. And with those of us who are in the, specifically those of us who are in the music industry and those of us who are, or are getting to use our gifts on multiple platforms, um, I think it would be a better posture for us to take, not just to um, use our gifts in the church, but maybe build into the other people and to actually build up others. So it wouldn't, you wouldn't be scaring people away and saying, oh, well, maybe I'm not as good as them, so I'll never, I'll never show up. What you're actually doing is going, hey, anybody who's interested, I'd love to work with you and see how we can make this work. And, and, and now we're actually building the church because we're not just using our gifts. What we're doing is we're trying to call out the gifts of other people and cultivate those gifts in, others, in other people. And, and that actually can be a breath of fresh air. You know, I, I laugh about it because uh, a parallel example is I have a friend who is a, um, you know, he, yeah, he, he's an instructor and a leader and very, uh, very articulate. But when he comes to serve at church, he serves in the coffee bar. And I, and I had to ask him, I'm like, why don't you use your like leadership gifts? Why don't you use, use all your ability to, to coach and direct people? We could use you around the, the around this church in, in so many really useful ways that would bless us. And, and he just looked at me, he's like, if I keep doing that, it's so similar to my work that it doesn't actually feel like a Sabbath. And for me to go and simply serve someone a cup of coffee in the best with, with taking all my um, detail-driven notions and making sure that I make the best cup of joe for this person, by doing that, I actually feel like I'm I'm contributing to the body and I'm also feeling like I'm growing. So they found a, a different way to serve. Yeah, I like and, that. And, and in that that, that, that yeah. change is is maybe something they need and uh and it's probably good for everybody because he he can have conversations with those people as he's serving the coffee and there's no stress, there's no uh thought of work, really. Right. Right. And and I think we as we as we as artists can do the same thing. So who says that we, when we go back to be part of the church, that we actually use our music skills? Maybe we do. Maybe we build up the church. Maybe we build up the worship ministry. Maybe we coach other um, musicians and singers and help them help them become better leaders and, and musicians themselves. Or, or maybe we shake hands at the door and make people feel welcome. And, and, and that's enough because we're still becoming and contributing part um, in the church community. And I think there will be growth and health that comes out of that. Yeah, I suppose if if you are a singer songwriter, um, you've got albums out, um, songs on on the streaming services and whatnot, and your you know your name is recognized. I suppose you could attend church, and even if you can't serve the coffee or be a greeter, just to at the end of a service walk up to one of the backup singers or the the worship leader and say, "Wow, great job! I really liked what you did here." And encourage them in that way. Um, that might be that might be something as well. I, I suppose my fear would exactly. be my fear would be as if if people perceive that uh, incorrectly and and want your your influence as well, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, thank you yeah. for the encouragement, and and you know, hey, can you get me in front of the record label? That sort of thing, you know. Um, <laughs> my wife and I have started attending a new church, and. Uh, and it's it's I've enjoyed it because I'm at this point I'm not actively involved, um, mm. 
And but by the same token, if uh, and and people don't know what I do for a living at this point, um, and we're at the point now where if I happen to have the company vehicle with the decals on it and everything else on a particular weekend, mm-hmm. my wife will say we're not going to church today because she doesn't want me pulling up in in the company vehicle uh, and having a bunch of questions, even if I hide the vehicle out back or something like that. She doesn't want that. She's enjoying that anonymity right now uh, that sure. it brings. Um, and and I always have a fear that somebody, if they know who I am and what I do for a living, I have a, like if it's a, if, if, I have a fear if I, I attend church or wherever I go, I always have this uh, cautionary thing in my mind. If somebody's coming up to talk to me, are they talking, coming up to talk to me because of um, who I am or what I do? Do you ever ask that? I was curious. I, I'm I've just never, curious when you, no, when you share this. Do you ever look at them and be like, about 30 seconds into the conversation, be like, so do you want something or are you, yeah. are you just checking in? That's like, kind of, Yeah, that's kind of the way I feel <laughs> like I'd like to ask. I always, you know, if somebody's coming up to me and I know maybe that they're a singer or that they have an interest in music or whatever else, I always have that mm-hmm. Thing in my mind, thinking. So, what do you want from me? Are you trying to get your stuff played on the radio? Um, are you trying to, you know, get hooked up with a producer or whatever else? And I, you know, I'll always try to help somebody, but I always have the fear that it's in a church environment that it's now becoming work. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it, on one hand, it, it happens all the time. I'm just trying to think about the last time it may have happened to me uh, and what was my response because hmm so I, I, I guess I guess maybe I guess maybe I, I've just sorry I cut you off there um, but I, I think I've learned to be a little more candid with it which has been helping me more recently so when someone comes is like hey I'm recording a song and I was thinking about doing vocals if it's on a Sunday I'd be like that's great can you call me on Monday about it I just don't, I don't want to talk shop at church. And I actually, and maybe it's a little cold, but then I make sure that I set up a meeting with them at the time to defer the conversation. But now that I've been here, part of this congregation long enough, when I do that, people are actually, they actually expect that on a Sunday morning, they don't talk business. Right. Um, Yeah. But it's taken time to cultivate that. I did have a situation once where I was visiting a church. It was my old church. And so I knew people there and I knew the pastor and, you know, after the praise and worship, they had this social time, which normally in, in a lot of churches, it's just, you know, shake the hand of the person around you and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But this this was extended, like it was 10 minutes long where people go all over the place and chatting with people, having conversations and having that social aspect, which is great. Uh, and I was chatting with the pastor, the pastor had walked to the back because I was sitting in the back trying to keep keep a low profile and we're chatting and, you know, good old times, remember this, remember that. And then somebody walked up to us and said, Hey, did you know that that's James Curtis from from Joy Radio? Um, we've got this, you know, thing that we're doing in a few weeks. We should get him to promote it. And oh, yeah. immediately my guards went up. And so what I did for that, just to get out of it, if you want to call, you know, just to get out of that conversation, was oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. I have I have nothing to do with the advertising on the radio station. You got to call up our sales department for that. I have no idea what the rates are and everything else. And I I put it to rest very quickly because I'm not there to give free publicity to right somebody or an organization just because I know them. Right? They they got to follow the rules. I'm not going to 
you know, put my job on the line because because of somebody just trying to do him a favor or whatever else. Um, business mm-hmm. is business, and and this was not the right time or place to have that conversation, anyways. And I wasn't. I I always tell people I don't get involved in the in the money side of things at the radio station, anyways. I don't want to know. I don't know. What, I don't know what it costs to air a commercial. <laughs> I don't want to know. You know. You talk to our sales department. I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm not going to get sucked into that whole realm of things, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, there's sometimes, I, you know, in that situation, all I could imagine would be if you had like a little smoke bomb and you could just throw it down, something disappears, the smoke disappears. Oh, that would be awesome. Like, yeah. Hey, James, yeah. James is gone. Where'd he go? That'd be amazing. Um, yeah, it is funny, eh? Like the amount of times that people want to call in favors. And, and what's unfortunate is when you when you get the church life, mixed with that business um you get these ulterior motives going on right yeah uh and when they're self-serving i mean i mean i think that's probably the best way to that's the best litmus test if i if i could put it that way around a conversation if if you get the vibes that somebody is really just being self-seeking or it's selfish ambition driving the ask um then then i think that gives us permission to really draw some clear boundaries um when it's a when we realize that it's oh someone is actually just trying to either get to know you or they're just trying to um trying to actually build up the church then i think there's a really appropriate place for that on a sunday morning unfortunately like you just said that gets really blurry when they're when the church when you're building up the church means that we're building up a church event aka like where you're advertising versus we want to build up the church people and in the church people you're included in that so if they're if they're going to take from you to build up the other people, then that's a, it's it's already contradicting itself. It's not a great approach. It's definitely blurry, uh, more so now mm-hmm. than ever. I believe in the church because part of the part of the issue we have in churches is, um, we've gotten to the point where, you know, you're on staff in the church, but there are churches that pay some of their people, pay some of their musicians, or pay some of their singers to to do what they do on a Sunday morning. And, yeah. and then you've got others that are volunteers. And so where do you draw the line there? I had a situation a number of years ago where I got an email from a church. Uh, well, you, you're, you know, originally from the Toronto area, so you would know it was yep. uh, from Georgetown. Uh, I shouldn't be, sure. I shouldn't be being that specific anyways, but uh, it was from Georgetown. <laughs> I live in Brampton. It's not too far away. All right, gotcha. And, yep. uh, and this church wanted me to come in and speak to their men's group on a Saturday morning. And I had no clue what this church was all about. I never attended the church. Don't even know the person that emailed me, uh, wanted mm-hmm. me to come in and speak uh, about, you know, what I do in radio and everything else. And I kind of thought to myself, why, like, why should I, um, they, they weren't, and and hmm. I should I should point out they weren't going to pay me or anything. They basically said you'll get breakfast for free and stuff. And I thought to myself, you know what? I volunteer in my own church. I'm not volunteering now in another church. This is my livelihood. Um, and it's not that I'm I I'm you know drawing the line in the sand because I want to get paid, but I do have a problem knowing that the caterer got paid. Right. And, and yeah, other people that's got That's a tricky paid. one, eh? You know, so that's so when now it comes to in a church environment where you've got perhaps some paid musicians or paid uh, singers or whatever else, and then you've got volunteers, how does that work for an artist? If you're an artist and you're traveling on the road and you're a prolific artist, you know, the same person I was talking about before that has albums mm-hmm. out and that's what they do for a living. So if they want to volunteer in the music, department 
is that volunteer or is that a paid? Like, do you want their expertise as a paid person uh, for a Sunday morning or is it something that you would expect them to volunteer for? Yeah, and I think you'd have to let the particulars outweigh the principle in that one. Um, and by that, I mean, I don't think you could make a general rule. There, There's probably enough situations where, I mean, I, I think... Uh, okay, just growing up at the church that I did, um, I, there's a, there were several professional musicians that attended there. Um, and I watched when certain events were held at the church, and I know that those musicians were being paid for those events. There were other times on a Sunday morning or a Sunday, we had Sunday evening church or even a Wednesday evening church, where I knew that they were just volunteering their time and part of the worship ministry. And, and they were able to navigate that with a lot of candor with the leadership um and, and and something that was a it was a bit of a dynamic relationship like it wasn't okay we've now agreed on this and it's like this forever um it was a bit of a case-by-case situation and that continued to develop as the musicians developed uh their artistry and as they continued to grow and, and their availability became less then they did more events and less serving in that case mm-hmm. but they still always found a way to 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 give back so whether it was um some of them coaching me as a worship leader when I was young and and just coming alongside and and after they were they would also teach maybe music lessons once a once a week um at the church and if they were doing that and then the conversation with me would be free so now they're giving up their time to build into the church but it wasn't necessarily in the same regular rhythms that they were before but but yeah i i think you're right it, it does get really blurry and without without candor and and regular communication and i think that's that's probably where a lot of this falls apart as well is that um historically when things get a little blurry we tend to go ostrich and duck our heads and avoid all the conversations that could be that could be um potentially tricky rather than having the courage to step in and say okay this could be really awkward but i just gotta ask are we talking about you doing this for free or are we talking about you doing this paid and and when we're doing that um, do you feel dishonored in that? Right. Because I would hate, as, I, like, so thinking about myself as a worship pastor, I would want to go and say, I don't want to dishonor you. And I don't want to, actually, I want to have a culture of honor. I want to make sure that we honor the hard work and the gifts and the experience that you have. I also know that you want to just be a, a, a part of this church family. So I want to see you build up this church family. So if that's the case, where's that line for you? Can you help me understand it? And and maybe if we really disagreed on that line, then then we would find a middle ground, hopefully. But, part but again, you have to that, step into that conversation. Yeah, but part of the dynamic is not just that person. Part of that dynamic is the other people around them. You know, if you're oh, right, yeah. if you're part of and say I'm I'm not in the music business whatsoever, but I've got a good mm-hmm. voice and I sing on the backup team. How would I feel knowing that the drummer's being paid and Maybe the worship leader is being paid. Maybe all the musicians are being paid. And I'm there as a backup except singer, you. except for me, and maybe a couple of others that aren't being paid. Like, where do you draw the line there? Because, you know, they might be experienced, but I might just have the same, I might have similar qualifications, except I'm not being paid. And maybe those people are not even attending the church. They've been brought in, they've been hired, <laughs> they've been hired in. And like, I yeah, look yeah. at that saying, you know, maybe you need to be, you know, promoting and, and uh, using the, people within your own congregation, the talents within your own congregation to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Hmm. Yeah. You know what? So you remind me of two different stories where one is a, um, is a church that I know of where actually within the last two years, their worship ministry had a whole, whole overhaul because there was multiple people being paid 
as professionals and and majority of them were music professionals. So they were doing this for as a, as if not full-time, let's say 75% of the time they're being paid as musicians and then they were serving in church. So they were getting paid for that as well. There was another professional musician who was also in that mix, but they were not getting paid. And when they asked, um, the, the leadership decided no. And the indiscrepancy between those two things caused everybody on both sides to say, whoa, wait a second, what is going on? Oh, yeah. And like, again, that's it, just it was, oh, yeah, you can imagine worms, that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it was just terrible, terrible, like just maelstrom of like everybody angry and everyone with hurt feelings. Um, and, and maybe rightfully so, uh, because if people have to ask those kinds of questions, that means there was a lack of clarity going into it. Mm. And, and that's probably the travesty in it is that someone thought that they could just keep skirting along or keep going along and, and skirting the conversation. And if you had had the conversation when the mall, when they were still questions rather than accusations. And if you could have, if you could have had something clear, clearly on paper and just say, Hey, so we can all just agree. This is the best way forward. And if you disagree with that, then, then we can at least have that conversation now. But if you already have people who are, are well invested into your ministry and you're and you have these feelings that are growing and now you've got people who like you, you're building this um, not supremacy, but you're building this elitist kind of culture. Right. That that's only going to tear your teams apart. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then and like, yeah. As, so as you can imagine, it was super messy. Right. And I, I really feel for those people because a lot of them, um, the friends of mine. And I, when I hear, heard about that, I was, just, I was really sad. Um and then on the flip side, I remember, oh gosh, it was, must have been almost 20 years ago, going to uh, lead at a church. And and that church was, um, they were thinking about ha- hiring me. So as I was there, I went for their Sunday morning experience and I was the guest worship leader and we were just, you know, feeling this thing out to see maybe I would work with them. And then I played with it, I rehearsed with the team, played with the team. and And then as I began to talk with the team backstage... I had been led to believe that this was their regular team and this was, going to be, was the regular standard of musicians that I was going to work with. That church had actually hired all but one of them <laughs> from other churches right. to come and make their church look better to try to woo me over to be with them. And I'm like, wait a second, you don't work here? They're like, you don't attend here? And they're like, no. And you don't attend here? And they're like, no. And you're like, wait, and all of you have been paid to be here for this morning. So as you can imagine, that did not, uh, we did not continue those conversations after the fact. Just because it felt dishonest yeah um but it but it also felt um inauthentic because like you alluded to um there's something important about growing the people that you have there in your midst and 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 being responsible for whoever comes through your doors i suppose and and nurturing nurturing them yeah i suppose uh, a a quick easy solution is not to pay anybody but on the flip side if you are going to pay somebody maybe the person that's being paid is not only being paid to in as an example to lead worship on a sunday morning but also to be that mentor to the rest of the people on the team and the rest of the people on the team understand that that's the reason why they're being paid not just for the sunday morning but the rehearsals and you know working with the various other members of the team uh, to help them get better and help them achieve what they want to achieve so you know, there's that. Yeah. I I attended a church where um, I was, uh, I did uh, audio. I've done church audio for many, many years. And mm-hmm. I attended this church and, um, you know, I was, 
I was scheduled. I was informally in charge, I suppose. Um, I'd been in charge in a previous church, and I discovered that it wasn't good to be the guy in charge because then you'd have to schedule people, and when they didn't show, you'd end up doing sound. And so uh, I ended up, you know, when I attended this other church, um, I said, okay, if you you want me to be in charge, I'm not scheduling anybody. I'm going to be you know, offering advice, you know, being there to help and and uh, make things better. Uh, but I'm not going to be, you know, uh, scheduling people because I don't want to be here every Sunday. I want to be able to enjoy the service myself, sitting in with the rest right. of the congregation once in a while. So it came to a point when they said, we'd like to hire you. We'd like to hire you to be our main sound guy. And I said, no way in a million years. And the reason why I said mm-hmm. that is because I've seen what happens in churches when they hire somebody part-time in a capacity. Like, And a good example of that would be a youth pastor, where you hire a youth pastor. Right. But they're only hired part-time, but they expect you to work full-time. And I just didn't well, want to get into worse- that. Yeah, and what's worse if we say to you, hey, why don't we hire you half-time for a youth pastor and then half-time for the music pastor job? Yeah. And that way you can get paid full-time, and then they actually expect you to do both of those full-times, so now you have right. two full-time jobs for, yeah. for half the pay. Yeah, exactly. it gets even worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm with you on that one. That one's, again, without the really clear written communication um, at the beginning, and then and people who have a track record of actually following what they say they're going to do, Man, that just it just it unfortunately just breeds um breeds mistrust. Yeah. And when you have that, then you mistrust is like obviously guided by fear because now if you don't trust them, you're afraid of what might happen next. And and when you take the courage out of church, then you begin to shrink. Because courage is 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 you know, courage can be related to faith. When you believe that God's doing something amazing in your midst, and when you believe that God's gonna do something even bigger in your midst then you then you go all in then you take the chances then you and that chance might even be like reaching out and inviting a friend to church who maybe they would like this maybe they won't but i i believe in this so much that i want to invite you out maybe it's actually giving extra money whatever it might be or, or maybe it's actually even just obedience and growing and and having your your experience of god stretch in some way all of that comes out of faith and and that faith let's say is synonymous with courage because you have to step into that if you have mistrust and if you're if you're actually creating a culture of fear and mistrust, then you're actually like undermining the growth of the church. And so, so I mean, we're talking about these things that are messy, but these messy things are actually what what erodes on so many of our churches. Oh, because sure. People come in and they don't trust, and that's really the travesty of it all. It's it's we we talk about these. Well, we think are like oh, let's just avoid the little conversation. Well, that little conversation is indicative of you undermining um, the family of God. And man, that is sad. Yeah. That, think, that's really sad. I so. think communication is is really, really, really important, and also um, uh, sharing the vision and and sharing you know what the goal is, the end goal. So, as an example, mm. if you're bringing in outside musicians, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. If if your church doesn't have the capability uh, within their congregation. To, for people to serve as volunteers in those in those capacities, but if the if the long term goal is to hire these musicians, and one of their jobs is to train the up and coming musicians, you know the 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 people in the, right. the kids in the youth group that are going to be two years from now leading worship or playing an instrument and stuff, maybe that's not a bad thing. If people know in advance that this isn't a permanent thing, this is a temporary thing, and this is what the this is the goal that we're trying to achieve here, uh, that might work better than 
just hiring people and really not paying attention to what that end goal is. And then it just keeps going on and on and gets worse and worse. Yeah, here, here I can give you a case study of this, okay? So as part of my job, I'm a worship pastor living in Portage, Manitoba, but we also have um, a total of four different sites. And part of my job is actually oversee the worship ministry on all four of those sites. Um, we planted one of these churches about seven years ago when I started working here. Um, it would actually begin uh, a month before I arrived. For the first year, we would take a team from our main campus and drive them an hour every Sunday morning to this new campus and in Nipua, Manitoba. And then we would be the worship team in this new campus. Now we came in as the professionals. We weren't paying people. We were covering their mileage and everything, but I mean, we were just driving out there every single, every single week. As you can imagine, that gets tiring because they were still serving in the original site. Um, There were two things that we noticed that happened when we did that. One, our current volunteers, they got tired, but secondly, we were building an expectation in that new congregation that, oh, this is what worship ministry must look like. It must look like a full band with a full um, audio experience. And if we if we don't have this, then we must be settling or, and they wouldn't even say it out loud, but, but we've kind of observed this over the few years that it's like, oh, it must be less than, or we must be failing in some way if it's, if it's anything but what's being presented to us. Yeah. And it took, and it took a few years of us to, you know, cause naturally people just can't be in two places at once. And that, that was a lot of work. So, and they thought originally, and uh, albeit naively that maybe we just do this for a year and then we'll build up the worship ministry there. Well, we're seven years in, I'm telling you right now, over the last few years, what we did was we stripped it back and then started building local building into the local musicians and building into the local leaders. And that takes time. That's take that's taken effort. But now they're beginning to grow that worship ministry, and they still partner with us once in a while, and we still partner with them once in a while, like physically on the same stage. Yeah. But we have the communication going through, and our musicians are building into them, and serving in that way, and that coaching, and, and that discipleship capacity. Mm-hmm. And as they do that, there's a way healthier church growing there that also looks more like them. Right. Because they're, 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 they live an hour away. Their culture is slightly different. And that, that should be celebrated. Well, instead and of so outsiders coming in all the time and doing it for you, why not build mm-hmm. it from oh. within? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So so there's there, there's a fine line in the way we're doing it. Um, because again, sorry, not a fine line. There, there's, there's a decision that you need to make. At, at what point do you want to set a standard? And then at what point do you want to like... Basically that old adage where you, I'm going to show you how to do this. Then I'll teach you how to do this. Then I'm just going to let you do this. Right. Um, and that just takes time. Uh, and, and so as we've walked into that planting uh, new campuses, it's become a much more healthy, uh, it's been a healthy road towards building a worship ministry in those other locations. And we've had to learn from our mistakes in this one. We've gone all over the place here, haven't we? Yeah. But it's absolutely. been good. I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's, it's uh, very refreshing and, uh, it's nice just to kick back and just kind of analyze without, um, you know, pointing at somebody and saying you're doing it wrong uh, or, you know, this is the way it should be done. Um, it's just kind of brainstorming. That's kind of what we've been doing is brainstorming here a little bit. Yeah, kind of. They're, they're, they're kind of like autopsies without blame. It's like, let's look at what we're doing. Let's poke around a little bit. But like nobody, it's nobody's fault. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we, we've, all, we've all made mistakes. We're all looking into this. That's right. And, so, and, and, you know, the case scenarios like you've suggested and, you know, examples that you've presented in some of my stories and stuff kind of makes you think outside the box a little bit and think maybe there's a better way or maybe it should have been done differently. Uh, here's what we maybe should do the next time. 
Yeah, and I think that's the most important thing. I mean, based on all the stories that we've shared today, and I mean, and some of these have been sad stories. At, at the end of the day, we want to be able to go into new situations with hope that they can always look better. And we want to go in, like we were talking about, we want to go in with creativity to be able to say, hey, just because it's been done this way, maybe there's a better way. And what's it going to take for us to be, to have the healthiest churches, the healthiest artists, and, and ultimately the healthiest people? Because people make up these churches, like artists are people. So if we can have healthy people in all of these places, you know, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Um, and what type of courage and faithful steps are, is it going to, are going to be demanded of us to make sure that that happens? Yeah. And if we can go in with that kind of posture, then... I mean, yeah, his kingdom come, right? That's exactly. that's the way it's going to happen. That's that's the end goal anyways, or should have, should have always been. So, mm-hmm. Jake, thank you very much for uh, hanging with me. Appreciate it. Um, it was nice to chat again. Uh, when are you in Toronto next? I don't know when I'm in Toronto next, but I hope to be out um, at the uh, at the Covenant Awards. So okay. I hope to November. make my way out this fall. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that'd be awesome. Thanks for thanks for hanging out. This has been fun. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you very much, Jake. We'll Sorry, talk soon. Okay. Have Take a great care. day. You I'll too. talk to you Bye-bye. later. Bye. I think the best way to describe that conversation is stories. We shared a lot of stories. He shared some stories. I shared some stories. That was a lot of fun. Check out jakefretz.com to find out what he's up to. And let's get some artist advice now from Nick from Rocky Worship. I think it's critical to constantly be aware of where you're finding your value. I think just in life, we place our value in so many places. And I would guarantee at almost any point in time, we are finding our value in the wrong place. And I think that that shifts and and adjusts and is, is constantly kind of pivoting. But, you know, if you're a parent, a lot of times you find your value in in your kids and how well they're doing or how they present to the world. How good are they at sports and school? And you find your value in those things. Uh, When it comes to work, you're finding value in your work and how productive you are and what you're contributing and things going well. Are they not? And I think when we aren't paying attention to that, we find ourselves in those moments of possibly depression or just distraction and then that's when we we can run the risk of which we try to self-medicate because we are just trying mm-hmm. to find any kind of uh, release or escape from that pain of not knowing who we are. Yeah, so easy to get distracted and lose focus. I really like that. Uh, Nick talking about value and uh, staying focused on what's important in our lives. And that is it for this week's episode. Many thanks to Jake Fretz for joining in the conversation today. And Aisha will be back next week. Thanks for listening to Faith Strong Today's Between the Grooves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it with your friends, rating our podcast, or giving us some love on your socials to your amazing friends and followers will only help us reach more people. We'd also love to hear from you and share your feedback in an upcoming episode. Send your video or written message to Aisha and James on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves or email us anytime. Hello at faithstrongtoday.com. 